0: stewards of God's creation, how um, the earth was something he gave us dominion over um, so that we could be stewards of it. Let's start with a prayer tonight, just that we would glean the most that we can tonight from the word as we get into it. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us. We thank you for the understanding of it that we find as uh, our hearts are made alive in Christ, as the Holy Spirit is in us to reveal these things and all the things that Christ taught. Lord, we receive that understanding tonight in Jesus' name. We come into your word, come into this service expectant that we would gain understanding, gain revelation of the truth um, that is given in your word. And so tonight, that is where we look to receive the truth for understanding. And Lord, we thank you that we would be built up um, to be people that carry your word and the truth into the world around us. True lights, cities on hills, Lord, that speak to the world around us and uh, bring a revelation of the truth to those that do not currently see it, Lord, that we are not blinded, but we would have the eyes of our understanding enlightened here tonight, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we are talking tonight about being stewards of God's creation. I'm going to go ahead and read you the lesson focus of tonight's lesson. It is this At creation, God gave man the responsibility to provide good stewardship over his creation. But it is God who ultimately sustains and upholds all things by his power. We can turn to biblical principles in order to carry out this God given responsibility properly. And so one of the things about this lesson focus that I find so encouraging well a number of things number one that uh, we have been given a part a hand in carrying out God's plan for the earth and for the world you know he didn't just put us here and say leave it leave it how you want do what you want it doesn't matter we have an active part in carrying out the plan of God um, in the world but also I'm so encouraged to know that it is him who sustains and upholds things with his power you know I think um, there, there's a lot of question today about what is the right thing to do Um, in in a number of areas. Tonight, this lesson is going to specifically talk about uh, the climate, about the environment, about earth, about things like climate change and, uh, you know, green ideas that help sustain um, and renewable energy, those sorts of things. That's kind of the direction we're going to go tonight and see how this topic fits into the Word of God. You know, we say it here often that God's Word really has the answer for everything we would encounter in life, and I believe that's the truth. So many, People today are left guessing And trying to decide out of their own Understanding and own mindset and own wisdom What is right And that's a a weighty responsibility For me to decide what is the right thing To do in every situation, I'm grateful And I think one of the freeing things About being a believer in Christ and in the Word of God is that I don't have To decide that, I don't have to figure that Out, I don't have to um, come To an understanding of that myself I just have to go to the Word and apply what the Word says into these areas of my life. One of the things that I think has been so great about, um, especially these last lessons in our Answers in Genesis curriculum, is we've been talking about some of these topics that you don't just hear discussed in church. A lot of these things we've been talking about are things discussed in schools, things discussed you know, in cafes or places where people might congregate. I mean, people have questions about how old the earth is, dinosaurs and dragons. And obviously, a, a discussion we hear a lot about today is the environment. What's the right decision for us to make about the environment? What are some things we should be doing or not doing concerning how we affect the environment? What's the right thing to do? And I think we see a lot of um, division over this topic because there are very contrasting opinions of what's the right thing to do and what's not. In the Word, what we're going to find is a set of principles that we can apply to this conversation, apply to this topic. You know, I, I I can't say that I've spent a ton of time looking in the Bible to figure out what I should do concerning the environment or considering you know being green or what what climate change would have to do with my faith. But the Bible gives us answers as to how we are supposed to interact with the earth, with the world that God has left us. Let's look tonight. Let's go first to Psalm 24 and Psalm 50. They're on your scripture sheet. You can also turn. In your Bible, if you'd like to do that. The first point we want to make tonight, which, which ought to be obvious, but it is this the Creator has dominion. The one who creates, the one who um, is, is the coordinator and the, the one that puts together a creation, is the one that has dominion or control or power or authority. Over that creation, I mean we see this obviously with with things that maybe we create in life, you know and, And we'll talk a little bit about that more in a moment Let's read these two scriptures, Psalm 24 verse 1 The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein And then Psalm 50 verse 10 For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills This is something that the Lord is saying So what we see here are two scriptures, and there are more throughout the Word, but two scriptures in the Bible where God... And, and people that are devout followers of God are proclaiming that all of this creation belongs to Him. I mean, it makes logical sense. It, it just does, that the Creator would be the one who has the authority over creation. What I've created, I have control over. I have dominion of. And so we're just laying the foundation, the groundwork for this topic right now, that at the very beginning, God was the one who had domain. He had control. He had authority over everything that was created. You know, I said a moment ago, it makes sense to us, even in our current understanding, the way we interact with the world, that what I create, I would have dominion over. You know, we see patent laws in in the world where people create something, they apply for a patent, and they now have dominion or control or authority over how something's used. Someone's going to use it, they're going to get a profit. They say yes or no. We see copyright laws. You know, there are music and, and movies and things that you can't just use because someone else was the original creator, so they get an element of control over that creation. you know we see it with with houses. The person that builds a house is the owner of the house, right the, or the person who pays to have it built would be the owner of that house. you know parents um, with children to a degree i mean they 're your children, you have domain, you have an authority over them, especially while they 're young and in your house. I mean what what you create, you have authority over dominion over, and so this makes sense. Uh, There is an authority to rule and to dominate. Now that's a word that someone could take with a very negative connotation. The word dominate, you know, you think about that today and most people would probably think about something negative. Domination. Well, domination is, it it can be a good thing when it's used appropriately. When it's done by a good ruler, domination is a good thing. A good king who, who dominates a kingdom in a good way produces a good result. The unfortunate thing is that we've seen a lot of corrupt, um, well, dominion, domination in the world. There are many people who want to dominate in a negative way that only serves themselves. Well, we know that we serve a creator that doesn't just serve himself, that doesn't just do what is always beneficial for him. I mean, we know that he gave his only begotten son because he loved the world. That's not bad dominion. That's not bad domination. Jesus came and, and dominated, ruled, and became our Lord. Well, I'm glad he's a dominator, aren't you? So domination is not in itself a bad thing, but it is something that can be done in a bad way. And so we see the groundwork laid here. God created the world, so he was the one that had authority, control, dominion. He was the one dominating over his creation at that moment in time. Let's now go to Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31, and this is where we're gonna see a transfer of dominion occur. You know, we've, we've read for the last several weeks about uh, creation week, the six 24-hour days where God created everything um, that is in, in the world around us. He created man in his image, and then what we're going to see here is this transfer of dominion occur. So God currently holds dominion, currently holds the authority, and this is what he says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Praise God, we've been made like him. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every other living creature that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and morning were the sixth day. So on the sixth day of creation, what we see occur in Genesis 1 is God transfers dominion, transfers control, transfers authority. From him as the creator to mankind, to Adam and Eve. He says, you have dominion. In fact, he says right here, and I I believe it's in verse 26, over all the earth. And then he names all of the things that are in the earth, all the animals that have been created. And he talks about how these plants are for you to eat. Gave them the authority, gave them the control. Let's read two more, and then we'll talk about this a little bit. Genesis 2, we're going to read verse 15 and verse 19. Genesis 2:15 Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And then in verse 19 out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature was its name. We see two examples here one of a, a garden, you know, full of plant life and and some of these natural you know non Non-living in the sense that they would have had hearts and, and you know, brains and eyes and all this stuff like uh, Not creatures, but nature itself, the environment God put Adam and Eve in control of that garden He said this, I'm putting you here, tend it, keep it You are controlling it, you have authority over this I mean, you're going to get to decide what's getting pruned, what's getting clipped, what's getting eaten You have dominion And then he brings the animals up and he says, now you're going to name these That too was an act of dominion because as he gave them names, it says that they were that thing. You know, in order for me to give something an identity, to give something a name, I have to have the power to do that. You know, if I walked into Des Moines Hospital and I went into the birth, the you know, the maternity ward, and I started walking through like the chambers and giving babies names, that'd be weird. Because I have no authority there. I have no dominion there. That I have no control of that. It hasn't been given to me. Now, if if for some reason someone said, hey, Pastor Isaac, I want you to name my kid. I would probably say, no, I don't want to. But if somebody said, hey, I want you to name my kid. And for some reason I felt so inclined to do that. Well, then I would have just been transferred the authority or the dominion or the power to give that child a name. And that's what God did with us here with mankind. He brought Adam and Eve into this garden and he said, I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the authority. I've created it, it's mine to give, so now I'm going to give it to you. You know, I was thinking about kind of this principle of transferring dominion, and it reminded me of when I finally got my driver's license at 16 years old, and my dad had this big red Chevy Suburban, and I got dominion over that thing for a short period of time. He handed me the keys because I didn't have my own car yet. It was his car, but he said, I'm going to let you drive this. And so for about 10 minutes in the morning and in the afternoon, every day of the week, I had dominion over my own little little space. I got to decide where that thing went and where it didn't go, I got to decide what gas station I stopped at to get snacks. I mean, it was awesome. I had dominion, I had authority, I had control. Right? And so I think this is something we've all probably encountered at one time where we got transferred authority. You know, it wasn't mine cuz I didn't go buy the car to start with. But because I have a good dad, he gave me the keys. He gave me the authority for a period of time, and that's really how our God is with us. You know, it, it wasn't by our doing that this earth was created, but because he's good and he created a good world, a good environment, he provided it for us, and then he gave us the keys to it. He gave us the authority of it. It's not something we worked to earn dominion over, but it's truly a testament to God's grace that he just blessed us with it. He's a good God who gives good gifts, and we see that right from the beginning of the word, where he gives us dominion, gives us authority. Over this world. You know the next point I have written down here. Is that we are not equals to animals. Or other creations. We see this reinforced here. We've already talked about it before. But God. He he placed us positionally. With authority and control. Above the rest of creation. You know we were given dominion over. It says all of creation. Over all the earth. And every creeping thing that creeps. He gave us dominion over all of it. Well, that means my my status as a creation is above all of the things that I'm in control over. Hallelujah. So I'm not on an equal level with the cows and dogs and deer. I'm not a glorified ape. I'm a child of God. I'm mankind given dominion over the things of this world. So here again, we see a discrepancy between the scientific worldview that we evolved from animals. Well, that's impossible because if I was just another animal, there's no way I would have had dominion over the animals. Or set apart, set aside as those that were put on earth to have authority on the earth. We already talked about Adam naming the animals, which shows dominion and authority over them. Another thing with this point of Adam naming these animals, you know what's interesting about this um, is that he he would have had to take the time to assess these animals in order to have dominion over them well. In, in order to execute his role as the person that was to give them names, he would have had to assess them and decide what their name ought to be. He would have had to have an understanding of these animals enough that he could name them. Probably based on attributes that those animals would have had You know, he, he took time to assess, so he took time to understand One of the points I want to make with this is that In order to be a good steward In order to execute dominion the way that we were intended to by God We have to have understanding If we don't have understanding, well we're not going to know what we're doing Right, and, and there's nothing just, there's nothing faithful, there's nothing good about trying to execute control when you have no idea what's going on. That's I mean, that's just poor management. I mean, we, we could apply this into a world situation. I mean, if you had a manager and they had no idea what the what the product placement, what the employee information, what the finances going in or out were, if they had no idea, no understanding of how this thing worked, they wouldn't be able to manage it well. And so we as the stewards, which is really what we're talking about tonight, we've been given dominion because we're supposed to be the stewards. In order to steward it, we have to have some degree of control or management or authority over it. So God gives us this dominion, control, authority, so that we can make these decisions and manage the world that he created. Kind of like how my dad gave me the keys to the suburban so I could manage it to take care of a task of getting myself to school every day. You know, I still had to have understanding of that. I had to know how it worked. I had to know how to park and brake and put the gas on and to put the right kind of fuel in it. I mean, there were some things, understanding-wise, that were necessary to know in order to have dominion well. And without understanding, we can't be good stewards. And so there is a level of, of understanding that plays into this. You know, we see it even in the way that we as mankind, people would say we've evolved or we've developed, we've progressed over time. Well, what's really happened is we've become better stewards because we've gained understanding. Think about what, what society, what mankind is capable of doing today that we weren't capable of doing 500 years ago. We've got planes, we've got boats that cross the ocean in a matter of like a day. I mean, we go to space and come back. We, we grow things in environments where it's not supposed to grow. I mean, we can do some pretty amazing things. We've got fuels that will make things go hundreds of miles of hours. I mean, we can do some amazing things today. And it's not because we have like become God. It's because we've become better stewards. We've learned how to manage the resources. We've learned how to manage the world that God created. Better than we used to know how to do. I wrote down some of these things. Plant and mineral resources. Energy resources. The way we interact with animals. Metalworks of all kinds. These are things that. you know, They've been here since the beginning of time. We didn't, we didn't put iron in the ground. We didn't put fossil fuels in the ground. We didn't create wind. I mean it's all been here. We've just learned how to steward it well. We've learned how to use this. In a way that is beneficial, that is productive Stewardship And so as we've gained understanding We've been able to exercise dominion in a better way We have more dominion over the world now in a sense than we used to Because we're able to use resources more today than we used to be able to do so That is not a development of, of us putting things on the earth of, Or of us becoming better in the sense that you know we've created something No, we've just learned how to be better stewards So mankind's development, this is what I wrote down, mankind's development is really just becoming better stewards. So all along the way, God God has had everything we would need to do, all the things that we're doing today. It's all been in place the whole time. Our development is really just us becoming better stewards of God's creation. Along with all the benefits of dominion, of dominating, come the responsibility you know, I think this is is an obvious one as well, but you, we have to take care of that which has been created and which we've been given charge over. You know, if if you get so we'll go back to the suburban example. I just feel like it fits really well with this message. If I get my dad's suburban and I run it into a wall, I have not taken good care of that which I've been given dominion over. If if I run it out of gas and run it out of oil and I caused the engine to heat up and lock up and it's unusable now, I have not taken good care of that which I was given dominion over, given authority and control over. Along with the benefits come the responsibility, you know, to be fruitful within it as well. When you assume dominion over a car or a home, you assume the responsibility to maintain it. And so I think as this relates to you know, our situation in the world, the way we interact with our environment, when we get into a conversation about you know, climate change, which we're going to talk more about as we get into the apologetics part tonight, but as we're talking about the environment and how we as mankind interact with it, I do think it's important that we recognize we are stewards over God's creation, that this really isn't our earth, it's God's. Amen. And so I ought to take care of it like it's God's. And we're going to talk about how that can be gone to an extreme as well, because there is a, a danger in taking that to an extreme. But I think it's important that as Christians, I mean, we really ought to be setting the example for the world to follow on what taking care of and stewarding well the resources of the world looks like. You know there, there is a balance in this where on one hand I'm supposed to be fruitful and productive with the resources on the earth. I believe we're supposed to use the metal that's in the ground. I believe we're supposed to use the fuel that's in the ground. I believe we're supposed to use the wind and the water and all of the resources we have at our disposal. I believe we're supposed to uh, become better stewards and make developments and advancements in some of these areas of science and technology. But I also think we ought to not just run the earth Into the ground, so to speak You know, we we ought to not run the suburban into the wall We ought to not, you know, destroy everything that's around us To a point where the world no longer functions or no longer works I mean, I think as Christians, we really ought to to be taking um, the point on being good stewards Of that which God has blessed us with in this earth You know, he created a, a perfect environment It was called heaven in the book of Genesis It was perfect and obviously sin and death came in That's really going to be what next week's lesson is about And so there is, there is destruction and death and corruption That goes along with that But I believe we're supposed to still be good stewards We ought to be um, being productive But also being careful And when I say careful I mean giving care to the world I mean we, we ought to be mindful And you know giving care um, to, to the natural things As well as utilizing them And stewarding them well to be productive and fruitful. I said this earlier: being a steward is, is really like being a manager. Stewardship is, is management. It's having something that belongs to the Lord, trusted into your hands. And so when we say we're stewards of God's creation, we're the managers. We've been put here to manage what God created. We're supposed to do something well with it. I think even about the the, the parable of the, the stewards with the talents. Right, and, and I mean I think we could gain a lot from that. There were two that went and used, they were fruitful with with the talents, but there was another who did nothing with it. And so the balance here is, is not that we do nothing. Let, let's not use fuel, let's not build buildings, let's not just like let's just go live in nature and pretend like we're in the Garden of Eden again. Let's get the, the loincloths out and just be all natural. No. No. See, that's unbalanced. That's the steward who did nothing. It's burying the talent in the ground and saying, I'll wait till the master gets back. It's unproductive. It's unfruitful. But at the same time, what we do with what we have ought to be considerate. We ought to not just waste it away where there's nothing left. Good stewardship is good management. And bad stewardship is bad management. So, kind of continuing on now, you know, we, we're, we've talked so far about how God As the Creator had the original dominion, original authority. Um, He transferred that, we see it here in the Word, He transfers it to us. And that's what Adam and Eve were operating in through the Garden of Eden. And then we see kind of the next step in this this title transfer of God's creation. Let's go to John 12, verse 31. I've got three scriptures we're going to read here and then we'll talk about what they all mean. John 12, verse 31. It is on the scripture sheet as well. <clears throat> now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Let's read our next one in Second Corinthians 4, 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. And then Luke 4.6 And the devil said to him, talking to Jesus, All this authority I will give you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. What's what's the next title transfer in God's creation? Adam and Eve, mankind transferred dominion to the devil. Satan got the authority because it was given to him. This is what we'll talk about more next week when we discuss the corruption, our first lesson in the second C of history. God's original creation, which was called very good, this world, heaven on earth, was messed up, corrupted, when dominion was transferred. You know, I think we could even... Kind of talk about a natural example of this Have you ever watched a property or a vehicle Or really anything Where you transfer ownership to someone Who doesn't take good care of it And it just goes bad in a hurry Yeah That's what happened with our world It was perfect But a bad title transfer Caused a lot of destruction And corruption to come in So people ask why why do bad things happen in the world Well it's not because God created the world For bad things to happen It's because there's a bad manager in control There's, there's a, a, an enemy in the devil Who wants sin, death, destruction to occur And so because at the present moment He has authority in many areas of the world That's what we see happen The good news is this Jesus Christ came and bought it back Amen He bought back the title of God's creation. And so for the Christian believer that has received life in him, who has accepted Jesus' blood and what was purchased by that blood, we have authority back. We have dominion back. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to submit to the authority of the devil. We can say, Satan, get under my feet because that's where Jesus has placed you. Your authority is not in my life because I live redeemed i live free purchased by the blood of jesus and so my life in this world my life here and now this abundant life that i live is an abundant life with none of your authority in it so devil you and your dominion have to get away from me that's the kind of life we live as believers it is truly the good news but kind of getting back i mean that's really about corruption and and Jesus redeeming. But getting back to stewardship of the world, we've seen kind of the progression of this title transfer like I've, I've said here tonight of, of dominion. The, the one who is, is placed as the steward over the earth changing hands. It was God. He gave it to Adam and Eve. They gave it to the devil. Jesus came and bought it back and then when we received Jesus, he gave it back to us. So we now have Dominion again, we have authority again And so the balance That we've been talking about tonight Of being a steward on this earth Is taking care of that which has been Entrusted to you, I said this before Christians should care about the environment Of this world Because it's been given to us By God as something to have dominion over There's a balance here, we ought to care about it I Ought to care about The environment In a balanced way I ought to want Development, which is really just good stewardship out of the environment. But I ought to not take this to an extreme. You know, we're not powerless in our ability to keep it well. We have authority and we have dominion. We have an element of control over how well we keep God's creation. And we can do well with it or we can do really poorly with it. That's it's stewardship. And God's given us instruction in how to keep it well we're gonna we're gonna look at that as we go on tonight but kind of going back to this original statement we ought to look at the principles founded in the word in making some of these decisions about how I'm going to steward the world we'll we'll look at a couple here in a little bit but really the 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 understanding the the main point here is I got to take care of that which has been entrusted to me like 16-year-old Isaac with his dad's red Suburban. I got to take care of this thing or I'm never going to get to drive again. You know, we don't we don't have this impending doom waiting for us. We're going to see that tonight as we finish out as well. You know, there there is not this overwhelming threat that we as believers will feel because we have a promise from God. We're going to look at that as we go on. But we ought to feel a sense of responsibility. I ought to feel a sense of wanting to take care of that which God has entrusted to me. We can obviously become unbalanced in this if there's no regard or care of that which has been entrusted to us. Let's look at Philippians 2, 3-4. through 4. This is one of those principles I mentioned a minute ago. That we ought to consider when we make decisions about how we will interact with the world around us. When I'm making a decision about doing something that may or may not affect the environment, when I'm looking at doing something that is um, stewardship of God's creation in some way, I think this is one of the scriptures we ought to consider. Philippians 2, 3-4 Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, one of the things I believe we ought to consider when we're making decisions about the environment, about the earth, and, and what God's created is, how is this going to impact everyone else? You know, I think we do have to do this in a balanced way, because there are people that take extremes and would say, well, if, if you drive a car that has gas, you are killing babies. Or you, you are killing, you know, the polar bears, or you're killing something. You're killing something, because that sounds bad. Right? So I think we do have to be sensible in what information, what statistics we look to. You know, I mean, We, we don't want to just take in everybody's opinion about what's happening. And, I, and some of these things are difficult to know. I mean, it's difficult for the guy that's never studied atmospheric conditions in his life to say, Oh, driving five miles in my motorcycle or truck or car or whatever is going to cause this effect. I mean, we don't always know that. But I do think we, we can just take steps in the way we live life that, you know what, I'm not going to litter. I'm not going I'm, I'm to throw this paper out or this plastic out my window while I'm driving down Highway 4 and it lands in Pastor Isaac's yard and he has to go pick it up on his motor litter, <laughs> right? <laughs> or maybe for you it's something else. But I, I, I mean, we can consider other people. In the way we're choosing to live our life. We, we can do things that are just, just considerate of, of the people around us. And also I think generations to come. You know, We, we don't know the day or the, the hour that God is coming back. And if I have kids and grandkids and great grandkids. That are still on the earth waiting for Jesus to come. Because they will be. My house serves the Lord. Well I want them to have an earth with resources. I want them to have an earth that is livable. And not disgusting. Yeah. You know. I, I, I want to take steps. That consider. Not only. How I can make my life the best it could possibly be today. But I want to consider others as well. I think this is one of the principles we can look to. It is a love of others. Beyond just love for myself. And and two here. you know. And, and so I'm just showing you. How we put this in balance. The. The way this could become unbalanced is to say, well, I'm just not gonna do anything. Well, that's unproductive. That's, that's bad stewardship too, because you are not utilizing the resources at your disposal today to, to be fruitful for God, to multiply what's here on the, on the earth. You know, if I need to drive 20 miles to get to my job, I'm, I'm not gonna be biking there. I, I wouldn't have a job, I wouldn't be able to work. And according to what's in the word, then I wouldn't be able to eat. <laughs> I wouldn't be here to live any longer. And that would be really unfruitful and unproductive. So we, we have to be balanced. You know, I, I think you can fall into a ditch. You can fall into an extreme on either side. But I think if, if we just, if we, if we take this principle of understanding, and we, we can honestly look at the way we're living and apply this and say, am I considering other people in the way I'm interacting in this way? Am I considering other people in the way I'm living? And pray about it and be led because the Holy Spirit will give you exact information. I mean, I can't stand up here and say, you need to use this much gas every week and you need to you know, eat out this many times. And this is what you need. You need to recycle these and separate them yourself. I mean, I can't call it out for you tonight, but the Holy Spirit will tell you the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. We can be considerate of the way we're living. We don't want to be the steward that does nothing, but we also don't want to be the steward that wastes it away. We are ordained by God to care for the earth, for God's creation, with diligence and concern from a biblical perspective. We're going to read these two verses here. Uh, Again, Genesis 2.15 and Proverbs 27.23. Again, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And then Proverbs 27.23 be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. We have clear direction here and it goes back to what we said earlier about understanding you ought to know what's going on. You, you, you ought not to be ignorant of how things are going, of, of the state of your resources, of the state of what's been entrusted to you. you know, and, and I'm guilty of this, saying I don't want to know. I mean, I think for years now we've probably all heard about climate change or, or issues with the climate. And it is difficult to know because there are a lot of opinions and few facts in some of these conversations. But, you know, I've been challenged that it's not okay to just be ignorant, it's not okay to not know the state of God's creation. If I'm a steward over it, I ought to have a knowledge of it. I ought to have an understanding of its current state. And I ought to have some thoughts about what we can do to manage it better. You know, if I see something that is having a problem. If my dog Titus has a sickness or a broken leg or something like that. I need to find a solution. I I need to do something. Rather than just let it get worse and worse and worse and suffer. You know, In our own health, we probably are very considerate of that. I know when I've got a problem... I should do something to remedy it. Well, it, I think it can be easy sometimes to overlook some of the issues and the conditions, um, the matters regarding that which has been entrusted to us, if we're too focused on maybe like our own our own space. You know, it's important to know the state of that which we're caring for, and because we're stewards of God's creation, in the world, we ought to take some level of responsibility in knowing the condition and having. Um, Some steps we can take to help remedy that To help steward it better And again here I mean this is kind of the the thing I'm just preaching tonight Is this can always be taken to a place of unbalance Where you could say Well that must mean I have to become an expert I I have to know everything about it No you don't You need to know the state of the condition in general And you need to know what you can do to make it better I think these are things that, especially today in an age where we can get information at our fingertips, I mean, if if you're able to wade through all the opinions and get to a few of the facts, I think a lot of times we can find things that we can do to help with this. You know, I I even think about the way we've had to react with the current coronavirus situation. I mean, we have to take a look at the condition or, or the status of what's going on. We have to get a a level of understanding of that To a point that we can make decisions to change things So that people are safe You know, we have hand sanitizer out And we're trying to keep a path open And we're doing some of these things to keep people safe You know, I mean, I'm not going to tell you We spent weeks or days, you know, figuring all of this out But it was, let's get to some facts Figure out what can be done to help Let's do that, and then let's continue on so we don't want to be unbalanced in this issue of stewardship. We want to be balanced with it. We don't want to give, and this is an important point tonight. This is something you may encounter, and this will kind of lead us into the apologetics portion of tonight's message. We do not want to give a higher value to that which you steward than the one whom you are a steward for. You do not want to give a higher value to that which you steward than the one whom you steward Who are a steward for. Exodus 20 verses 4 through 6. One of the commandments given by God. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything. That is in heaven above. Or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Ooh, that's applicable. That that is relevant for today. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. He says, do not make for yourself a false God of anything that is in heaven above, Or earth earth beneath, or is in the water under the earth Maybe we should add one here and say Or is the earth Do not worship the creation Don't worship the gift I've given you Worship the God who is the giver of every good and perfect gift Worship the one whom we are a steward for Worship the creator, not the creation This is something that's been taken out of balance Today, you know I wrote down a few And these are just some of the ones that were on the kind of the top of my mind Ones that I was able to think of right away If if someone did an in-depth study you'd probably find even more But there are so many religions that worship nature That worship earth, mother earth Have you ever heard that before? It's becoming a popularized idea to worship the creation rather than the creator and I remember preaching this a number of weeks back. Not, not even the, the natural creation, but maybe what I've done with the creation. The product of my development. My stewardship. Let's just focus on worship. these people that are, are unbalanced in worshiping nature. Here are a few of the religions that, like I said, came to mind quickly, which have an element of nature worship within them. Paganism, Hinduism, astrology, Taoism, many Native American religions, all of the polytheistic, which are multiple God religions, You know the Greek pantheon, the Roman religions, Eastern religions, where they have all of these gods, in every one of those you're going to find a God that is the God of the moon, the stars, the sun, the God of the trees, the God of the sea. I mean, you're going to find all of these things in all of those religions. It's the worship of creation rather than the Creator. I even think this is interesting. Atheism is really, it's a worship of creation rather than the creator. The people that would say, I don't believe in a God. Well, you believe that you're living in a created world, and so you do believe that there is something. You just believe it's nature. You believe nature's the God. That's what atheism is. Or, or um, what's, what's the other one where they say, I don't believe anything? Gnostic, Gnostic yeah. I, I mean, an non-acknowledgement. Of God, as Creator, is making creation the object of worship, yeah. making creation the God. You know we know this. I'm not going to turn there, but in Romans 1:20, God talks about how He reveals Himself through what He has created. Mm-hmm. And so, to say that there is no Creator is is a statement. They can only be made, I, I, I believe, when you're worshiping the creation. You, you'd have to be so focused on worship of creation and the things that you see around you to say that there is not a God. I, even talking to the point of Gnosticism or Atheism where they say, I just don't believe any of it. I don't believe anything. Well, they probably are believers of the Big Bang and evolution, which says that we all came from a little atom that exploded out of nothing and Billions of years ago, well, then what I would say is you're you're worshiping nature. You believe that your origin, your creation, comes from you know this this atom, this natural thing, and so um, even saying I worship nothing, well, you're really identifying with uh, a worship of creation while denying a creator. Christians should recognize and advocate that the creator is worthy of worship and the creation is meant for stewardship. You know, this is what we ought to be saying in regards to the environment. You know, because you do have the group today that would be talking about Mother Earth and we need to protect the earth and you know, all of these things worship the earth in these ways, serve the earth in these ways. What I would say is absolutely we should be we should be stewarding the earth well. We should be managing the earth. Well, I agree with you on that. What I disagree with is that the earth is what we worship The earth is what we serve The reason for doing these things Is not because we need to do this for the earth It's because I serve a God That I want to be a just steward for I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant I want to be a good servant Not because I'm serving the earth But because I'm serving my God this This is the difference What I worship, what I serve, what I bow down to What I glorify would I give glory? Oh, the, the earth is so amazing. The earth is so beautiful. It is, it is amazing. It is beautiful. It didn't make itself. God made it. Amen. And so I give Him glory for that. Yes, look at this incredible earth that God blessed me with. That's the balance. It's not that I give glory to the creation. I give glory to the Creator. My goodness, the sunset was incredible. God You're so good. You're so creative. You're so colorful. Mm -hmm. We serve an amazing creator. We ought to worship him. We ought to serve him. We ought to glorify him. Not the creation. So we could could ask this. How do people worship or idolize nature today? Uh, We could probably think of many, many ways that people do this. You know, from the image of somebody chaining themselves to a tree with a bulldozer coming. I'll lay my life down for this tree. Are you worshipping creation or the creator You know Talking endlessly about nature But never mentioning God Who are you glorifying Nature, creation or the creator You know we, we could Go on and on and talk about What people idolize but that's Really the bottom line is The unbalance on one side Of this coin is Idol False idols the worship of an idol, which is nature, creation, it can become idol worship if done unbalanced. You know, the the effort to steward, to be just in our management of of that which God's created, absolutely, we should give it our best effort. But to worship, to to bring that to an unbalanced point, is uh, it is idol worship. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, we must weigh each specific decision in this area based on the circumstances and expected results of the decision while asking the question, how does this line up with biblical principles and the Holy Spirit? I think I have that in your notes. I love the way this summarizes these points. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, because... We have to steward this world well or it's going to die I mean, we, we have to tend it, we have to keep it You know I'm learning that, I got a plant recently at Baumgar's. I planted it next to one of my buildings I actually have three of them A couple of them have been watered well And one has not been watered well And what I'm finding is my lack of stewardship on the one Has caused it to die Or, or maybe we should say this It's taking the natural course of this earth Because I did not step in as a good steward to intervene where a good steward is not present, death happens. That's good. That is good. But a good steward can be fruitful, can cause something that would have otherwise died to produce. You know, I love how Jesus calls us the salt and light, life, light. Salt and light of the world. Salt is a preservation. It is a resource that is used to preserve. And that should be our effect. In the world, in in various arenas of life, when we step into a situation, we ought to bring a preservation factor. We ought to bring life with us. A, A delaying of decay, a delaying of death ought to happen when a Christian steps into a situation. And so because we live in a dying, sin-cursed world, we must weigh each specific decision in this area of stewardship and environment based on circumstances, so we have to have understanding, so we can understand the circumstances and the expected results. I'm telling you, we have to have understanding. There has to be a degree of knowledge in order to be a good steward. We make decisions based on circumstances and expected results of that decision while asking the question, and this is how we balance it out, how does this line up with biblical principles and the Holy Spirit? Being knowledgeable, one of the biblical principles. Obeying authority, another one of these principles. You know, one of the examples I read um, studying for this was about like uh, game. This this one hit home for me because I like to hunt and fish and do that kind of stuff. Obeying game limits set by authorities. This would be something easy to discount. You're out, and, and I'm telling you, like this is a temptation I've faced before. You're out, no one's around you. Here's an opportunity to get more. To take more than what I ought to. To take more than what the governing authority has said I can take. Well, if I submit to authority like the word says to do, I'm going to obey the rules. Amen. Yes, God has said that they're given to me to eat. But the United States Department of Agriculture says I can only take one. So I'm only going to take one. It's It's you know it is a principle set by the word that i obey governing authorities it applies to the situation that we talked about philippians 2 3 through 4 respecting others this is another biblical principle we ought to apply in this area being a good steward we've talked a lot about that tonight worshipping and serving only god this is one of the things that in this i don't know why this area of stewarding the earth you know this, this nature thing has has gone such down such a slippery slope of becoming worship. But I feel like it has. And this is one of the things I believe we have to be careful in. In taking care of nature is. Am I getting to a point now where I'm beginning to worship this. Where I'm I'm beginning to give glory to this. Or serve this. I think that's a dangerous one that we can get into without realizing. Oh no, I would never worship nature. I'd never bow down to nature. I'd, I'd glorify God over, over the earth. But you know I think we can get into a mode where we're so f- focused On taking care and kind of getting on this, you know, this wagon of taking care of the world, that I begin to serve it. My my servanthood to God is overshadowed by my servanthood of the earth. We can't let that happen. We're servants of God first, which includes being stewards of His creation. Let's look now as we wrap up tonight uh, at the apologetics section. Um, Some of the statistics listed here, they were provided by Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham and his group of researchers. And so we're going to be quoting their studies and what they've found on some of these issues. These are a few of the common conversations you'll hear around this topic of the environment, of climate change, some of these things. Here are a few of the the key conversations that are being had in this arena. Uh, The first one, which I'm sure we've all heard before, is global warming. The studies on global warming have found that in the last 150 years, the average global surface temperature has gone up 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> so, yes, it's getting warmer. But, you know, looking around, probably about two times the age of everybody in here, it's increased by 1.2 degrees you know like the oldest person in here Twice your lifetime It's only gone up a degree I don't know about you But that doesn't really That's not going to keep me up tonight <laughs> and, and you know what I don't understand the way that that affects everything I'm not going to claim that I do We're actually going to talk about some of the effects of you know, Global warming here as we continue on But I mean this To me isn't, isn't worth all the Yelling and shouting that is Being done about it Human fault. It's our fault that the earth has warmed a degree. Uh, The study on this found there is increased CO2 in the atmosphere by man's activity. uh, But the increase is not solely reliant on man. And to continue with this, uh, the CO2 level is not a consistent measure of earth temperature from 1910 to 1940. The temperature rose at a higher and, and varied rate than did the atmospheric CO2. So, the correlation between these two subjects, uh, CO2 and, and the Earth's temperature, at least during this period of 30 years, they did not progress at, at the same rate. There would have been variable, which could have been a number of things, but um, it's, it's somewhat inconsistent evidence in this way. And, uh, you know, of course, there, there is the opinion and, and the, the thought. That we are the sole reason that CO two has increased and that the Earth has warmed, um, but you know there are also a lot of other thoughts on this area, a lot of other opinions, and this may be one of the things that we don't have a solid understanding of and a definite fact until, well, maybe we go further down the road and we get to be better stewards, or maybe it's something we'll just all understand in heaven one day. But the it science at least according to Ken Ham and his group of researchers, cannot prove that mankind is solely responsible for climate change. Let's keep going on as, as we're kind of running out of time tonight. Animal extinction. You know, there are people that would say that we're causing all these animals to go extinct because of global warming. Well, many animals, which we've been studying. I mean, we talked about dinosaurs and dragons and how they've gone extinct. We talked about and during that lesson, even some other animals. I mean, we see rhinos and tigers and some of these animals going extinct right before our eyes right now. Uh, many animals have and continue to go extinct since long before the Industrial Revolution. You know, that's really when the coal power and, and some of these carbon emissions that were talked about now, that really would have picked up um, 1800s. And there have been animals going extinct since long before that. I mean, really, since the Ark, when all these animals stepped off, they've been dying. They've been dying off. And so to say that global warming and mankind burning gas is the reason that animals are dying is, uh, is a pretty narrow worldview. Um, there are no documented extinctions resulting from global warming as of right now. The ocean rising... The note given here is that there is no solid scientific data to support this claim. Weather catastrophes. Once again, not sufficient evidence to support the claim. And one of the side notes given um, for that element was that it uh, dep- really depends on what study you use. And they are fairly inconsistent as to whether the wetter- weather patterns are being directly affected by the one degree temperature rise in the atmosphere and the increased level of carbon that is in the atmosphere um let 's finish today by just reading a few scriptures which I believe we can stand on on this topic. You know one of the things we talk about quite often is how we have a hope that is unlike the hope the world has really the the world if you don 't believe in God and you just believe in nature, your only hope is to like get this thing turned around I mean. If I didn't believe in God and, and I Believed every report that came in about Global warming and how it's going to kill us all In five years I would be terrified But I'm just not Because I have a promise that I'm Standing on promise from God Romans 8 22. For we know that the whole gener- This whole creation groans and Labors with birth pangs together Until now This is talking about Christ coming Back when I hear about Inclement weather I don't get Sad or terrified, I get excited because I think it's Jesus coming back. The world's getting ready for the Savior to come back, so I'm I'm not upset about it. Let's let the storms come. I'm I'm secure and I'm happy that Jesus is coming soon. The world is being prepared for the return of our Savior. Hebrews one verse three and Genesis eight twenty two. We'll finish up reading these who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We know that Christ is upholding this world by his power. Let me tell you what. I am confident in Christ's power. I'm I'm not concerned what the world's doing because I know I'm upheld by the hand of God. In Genesis 8, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. This is a promise from the Creator that as long as this world exists, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and winter, or cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. It shall not cease. For there to be seed time and harvest, we must still be here. Yep. We, we must still be going. The hurricanes and the wind and the hail must not have wiped out the crops. The ocean level must not arise, risen to the point that there's no land left. Things are going on. I have this promise, so I'm not, I'm not scared. But I do take seriously the responsibility of being the steward of God, of his creation. Do you agree with me tonight? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. On your creation, this word on being the stewards who have been given authority, which was purchased by Jesus once again, that he obtained that dominion back from the enemy and gave it to us. Lord, we are your children. We are also your stewards of this creation. Lord, tonight, having read this, having listened to this lesson plan, we've seen in your word that we are meant to be good stewards, that we can apply the principles found in your word. Things like caring for others and submitting to authority and being a good steward, but not worshiping the creation. Lord, you are the one that we will worship. And so we approach this area, this topic with balance, knowing that we are meant to be good stewards of your creation, but also that you are the only one we will worship. We will not set the world, nature, or your creation as an idol. We will not put it in priority above you, Lord. We serve you, worship you, and glorify you first And you alone. God, this is our commitment tonight. If you agree with me, let's just pray this together. Father, I commit to being a good steward. But serving you. Worshipping you. And glorifying you. Through my praise. And through my stewardship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming tonight. Thank you for joining us online. Facebook Live crowd, go and be blessed. You are dismissed.